Baz and Andrew couldn't make it this week, but Wayne and Garth have stepped up and they're going to pick the bones of the World Cup final. An emaciated Christian Bale from The Machinist narrowly misses out on playing Felix Jones in Evictus 2. Yeah, they went from Screech from Saved by the Bell instead. Fleff de Clerc will be played by Kevin Hart. <laughs> I forgot the name. In a little blonde wig. <laughs> <laughs> Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Wayne's World, Wayne's World, party time, excellent, Wayne's World, Wayne's World, party time, excellent. I love this, the rest of it. Happy Halloween, everyone. Welcome to Wayne and Garth's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. Um, I feel this is makeshift, this is last second, feather duster and flag. Yeah, no wigs. The rest of it's perfect though, huh? Yeah, we went, like that is the proper Garth Algar t-shirt. Yeah. Flannel shirt. Yeah. Ripped jeans that you did yourself. We made the Wayne's World reference about a year ago. Yeah. And then eventually got round to dressing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we still didn't bother getting the wigs. <laughs> so we've come as 2019 Wayne's World with two normal haircuts, relatively. Mm-hmm. Um, I did go to the wig shop, but they were out of... They were out of Garth wigs? Yeah, they were out of wigs, pretty much. Oh. I went to wig... Wigland. You have a wig, um, wig, over a wig, wig, wig street. A wig storage area in your house, though, I believe. A wig story. A wig storage A wig storage area. So there's no wigs there. And then I went to the wig shop, a wig street, and a wig. It, it, it sounds like you left no, no stone unturned. No, I didn't. So, But here we are, wigless. I brought a guitar, though. Um, so this guitar means a lot to me. It's the first ever bass I bought. And uh, I wanted to, recently I wanted to take the lacquer, which is the, this stuff, off the guitar. Because uh-huh. I wanted to have that worn, wooden style mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. that uh, Rory Gallagher used to play an electric with that. So I was like, yeah, I could have that. So I looked up a video on YouTube because I didn't want it to do it to this one. I wanted to do it to my newest bass. Uh-huh. And they, I saw a guy and he was like sanding it for ages, which is like ages. But then there was another guy who put this... Uh, flammable lacquer on it uh-huh. that you could put it on and then light a match to it, and it would. That's just... to me. That's the risky option. <laughs> yeah, but it looked so cool. <laughs> so he stuck it on and then lit a match to it, and his just kind of peeled off. He wiped it off gently, and then he had this perfect wooden guitar. Looks Mo- like you were close. You were very close to getting <laughs> that <perfect laughs> up in flames. I think I should have taken off the metal st- or the the plastic stuff off at first, but yeah, um, uh, lazy, lazy. Yeah, but you've got a good story to tell from it now. Thanks. Yeah, and you burnt all the strings. <laughs> I took them off first because they weren't needed. Yeah, to be um, just to mitigate any risk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I still have the strings. <laughs> um, and I got the sunglasses from a uh, 3D film I was at recently. Yeah, so I just poked out the. I know you look more realistic than ever. <laughs> <laughs> extreme, oh. extreme close up. <laughs> <laughs> Camera crew, I hope you're on that. A happy Halloween, everybody. Belated. Belated. It's late, but it's look, it's the only time we could do it. It's Christmas season now. Ah, yeah. Kids are watching The Grinch. Are they? Yeah. Kids into that, Molly they? loves it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. What would she into now at Halloween? Like Hocus Pocus and that kind of crack? Um, they went as, uh, well, they got face painted yesterday at a, at a birthday party. Uh, yeah. They were, what were they, foxes? Scary foxes. <laughs> It was a last minute thing. I think um, the face painter didn't have much of a portfolio of options. <laughs> so just give 
Fox. Foxes, I think it was. I think Jack asked for a dinosaur. He was sorry, mate. <laughs> you're a fox. <laughs> you're a fox, mate. You're a male fox. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that we've gone half arse. The people who go like full on. Too much. Too much. Too much. It's like, uh, give me a guy with a fucking pair of glasses any day, like, <laughs> yeah. and a hat. <laughs> I made a mind once went to a Halloween party in UL in a nightclub when we were about 18, and he just put on a pair of sunglasses and said he was Bono. And <laughs> they were like, nah. You're not coming in, man. You've got to make a bigger reference. So he, he went home, put on a hat, and came back with the glasses and sunglasses. It was Bono. And they were like, go on. So they let him in. One time I went trick-or-treating with a friend of mine, and uh, he pulled his T-shirt up over his head, and then um, I stood behind him and put my head underneath his arm. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get, we didn't we didn't get, get much in. joy. <laughs> <laughs> we were sent home. <laughs> My, I remember my last time I dressed up properly was about 14, 15, and my mo- I was going as a Ghostbuster, and uh, I rang my mother at work, and I was like, do you know that uh, old Hoover that we have in the shed? In the shed? And she was like, yeah. I said, like, can I use that? What, what, what do you mean? She was like, do you know the, I would need the pipe off it. And she was like, uh, yeah. And then I just hung up. And she, she, she definitely she, she said, what do you need it for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she assumed immediately that I was uh, smoking pot out of it. So she came home early from work and like stormed out through, where is he? And my brother was like, he's in the shed. And she like stormed out and I was just standing there and my Ghostbusters out overalls with a little Smoke, Smoking weed. Smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> he's as a cover. She's like, I thought you were on the pot. I was like, no, I wish I was. Um, all right, so, so that, it's all over. Oh, the World Cup I, is gone, I, I yeah. I thought you were going to tell us about the last couple of weeks. Tell us about the tour. Oh, yeah. So uh, weed is legal in Canada now. Huh? So everywhere we went, people were just like giving us bags of weed like as if they were scones. Like, like an Irish man would give you a scone, like, here, and do you have any weed? And we were like, no. But it's so legal there now. They're just like, take it, take it. They all grow it themselves. Really? Yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> so since when was it illegal in Canada? A couple of years, I reckon. Really? Yeah. So, uh, and they all look... Delighted with the fact that it's legal there. How's their mental health? They're better. They, really? don't, they don't work very hard. They don't get much done. <laughs> yeah, they're not productive. Yeah, but it's so cold over there. There's nothing to do anyway. Like, it's too cold anyway. Yeah, so just sit inside and get stoned all day. <laughs> um, so we had so much weed that we buried it uh, near the airport. So and we have a little map just on the highway in a little hole like by, by a, uh, a sign, like sign 82 or something like that. Uh-huh. So... Um, if anyone is going to Toronto and wants some weed, I can hook you up. But if it's legal, they may they may as well just pick it up at a shop. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's more fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> cheaper. Um, we had a great few weeks. Great yeah. tour. Brilliant. Sounds like um, it, all right. Yeah. So, but didn't catch much of the rugby, which was which was uh, frustrating. But uh, I was home in time to see the final, and it's all over. South Africa are the world champions. And I didn't realise until afterwards how good a story this would be and how happy I am for them. And Yeah, I think I only realised that as well in the Khaleesi piece huh. before the game, the, the ITV bit. Mm. I don't think I realised how significant it was. Mm. I, maybe I, did, I never actually thought that they would win, so I never thought we'd, we'd have to worry about that story. Yeah, I'd kind of written them off after <coughs> the, the, the All Blacks game. Yeah. And then like when rugby transcends into that thing where it becomes bigger than, uh, than sport. And, or when sport becomes bigger than, than just lads in the field running around after a ball, it becomes 
um, inspirational to a whole nation and, and seeing stuff like that. It's pretty phenomenal. And especially like, because they've been through it before, right? In, in 95, just after apartheid and um, Nelson Mandela. And then this with the first ever black captain, I think it's, uh, it's potentially even bigger. And they're in such a shitty place as a country, as they yeah. kept alluding to. It's an unbelievable country as well. I love it. It's a beautiful country. Yeah. I've been there a good few times. Actually, we toured there in school. And then I've been back a number of times since on tour with, with Ireland and a couple of other yeah. trips. But I met my, well, I didn't meet my wife. Myself and man, I went to South Africa on a trip together. And that's how we, that's how we fell in. Is it? Uh-huh. No way. Yeah. What was the trip? It was like we were, we were working in the township, like teaching like cricket and football and rugby and stuff to the kids. And that's where you met? Uh-huh, yeah. That is amazing. Oh, well, yeah, we'd met before, but we, we went on that trip. scored. Yeah. We scored for the first time. Shifted you know, on the back of the township. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was only a youngster. Was she? She was only a youngster at the time. Ah, so yeah. you just... I'll see you in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> Save yourself. <laughs> That's brilliant. We went there on our honeymoon, actually, for three weeks. Oh, yeah? Totally fell in love with it. One of the best places I've ever been. And some of the coolest, nicest people... Um, a lot of friends down there, so I'm hanging out with a lot of yeah. people, and Orla has a lot of friends down there. So yeah, still, um, still, unbelievably dangerous country, though, isn't it? Mm. And still very divided. Mm. Um, I don't know. We're talking about like I, I don't know enough about it. The politics of South Africa, about the big moment with Nelson Mandela and uh, Francois Pinar in '95. We're talking about how significant that was. But when you there's there's still massive problems. Mm. So people are saying that this moment is even more significant. I hope it is, because I hope in whatever years that they're looking back and they've solved a lot of those problems or they've made more progress. But you know what I mean? Like if you go into a township, there's still no white people living in townships. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. I know that's really a very naive thing to say. As in a naive Irish white fella. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? With no idea what's going on. But but still, whenever you visit the country, it's there's so much potential in the country. As we were saying, it's such a beautiful country that it's such, such a shame that there's so many, so many issues. Mm. And, and they're not shying away from it, obviously, from what <coughs> Rassi was saying. And uh, Khaleesi is saying, they're, they're straight up saying, we're, you know, Rassi talking about, you know, my biggest worries are being murdered or whatever, not winning yeah. a game of rugby. Um, so do you think when, when a team has, <coughs> has something like that to play for, that that trumps everything else that's what elevates them to the next level that they have something else to push them as opposed to just what the other teams what Ireland for example would have yeah you know pushing them um potentially potentially um there's there's, there's just so much to it I, I don't know I, I think it, it's a night it's a it's a, an amazing story and the thought of ever you know blacks and whites coming together and creating a bit of history is an amazing story um uh I suppose you know, are they thinking maybe you know they could get, make another movie and they might get famous that way? Is that Invictus is Invictus or Invictus is Invictus Invictus Two Lost in New York. <laughs> Invictus harder. Invictus harder. Invictus with a vengeance. <laughs> Sorry, that's the uh, 2023 is, World Cup. Uh, I want to see who. Matt Damon, keep him out of this next one. Yeah. Um, Who's oh. going to play Khaleesi for you? Uh, Idris Elba. It, yeah. He's on my list. Is he? Yeah. Straight in. Yeah. And then The Rock. The Rock. And Mike Tyson. Who's The Rock? 
Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No, is he playing? <laughs> oh, he's playing Khaleesi. Oh, sorry. No, it's got to be a deserve of a straining. Who's playing Felix? That's who I want to know. <laughs> yeah. I watched uh, Pearl Harbor last night. Uh-huh. And unbelievable film, by the way. I'm sure histori- it in years. historically very inaccurate. <laughs> but uh, Josh Hartnett is in it. Too sexy for Felix. I'm sorry. Or, or was like, he's the head off Felix. I was like, he is the head off Felix. They're identical. <laughs> but <laughs> on a slag, Felix. He's not complimenting him. He's way too sexy for, for this. Felix has got to be a skinny nerd. Yeah. Um, Screech. Screech. Although he got, kind of got cool because he's in a porn. Um, like your man from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Do you remember uh, yeah. Rick Moranis? Is that the dad? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's Felix. Yeah. Just like... I thought Michael Cera is quite quite nerdy. Michael Cera, perfect. Yeah. He's young enough. Yeah, yeah. Should I have? Who was it? Oh, you've researched this. Yeah. Oh, uh, Will from the Inbetweeners. <laughs> he's the, he's the nerd. I don't know which. Okay, yeah. Or Mar from Home Alone. <laughs> he's gonna be too old. Perfect. Obviously, he's way too old. Um, yeah. No, I, th- I like Michael Cera. Yeah. He's in there. But again, he's it's it's a different uh, it's different now. 2019. It's cool to be nerdy. Uh, and we don't want to give Felix too many compliments. Lassie Erasmus, Vince Vaughn. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yes. But he just has to act like Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. He can't be like, uh, in old school, he can't be like p- pretending to be Lassie Erasmus. Yeah. He's just kind of going around trying to be like... He has to go streaking around to, uh, Tokyo. <laughs> no, that's Will, Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that was Will Ferrell. Yeah. Will Ferrell can be... Uh, Jacques Neymar. 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 Whatever his name is. And he has to be... Act like... Frank the Tank as well. Yeah. So Jack Neymar is just going around with the hockey stick in the dressing room, like, <laughs> keep your composure. Yeah. <laughs> and Vince Vaughn is just trying to get, I don't know, trying to get laid or something like that. Yeah. That's great. We'll, we'll run some of these suggestions past Fla when he comes out. Yeah, I think Fla is here. I, I can hear him and feel his presence. Uh, will we get him out? Yeah. Noah Vanderhoff himself. Hmm? Noah Vanderhoff. Do you know who that is? No. OCSNC? No, no. no. He's, he? the, he's the guy that buys Wayne's World oh. the, and makes them a cable television show. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very good. So without further ado, Mr. Noah Vanderhoff. Wayne's World. <laughs> You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. All right, welcome to the show, Jerry Flattery. Look at the three of us back together. Huh? Huh? Two nerds. <laughs> Two nerds and a jock. Are you on your way to steal some kid's lunch money? <laughs> or the gym? Is it A or B? Which one? Both. Both. I'm not that nerdy. He, he's just got... I, those glasses are so striking on you. Yeah. I, I actually... I think they suit me. Yeah. Don't they? You've got quite, quite a... Again, I'll use the disclaimer, don't take this personally. <laughs> <laughs> You've got quite like a... You know those Easter Easter Island. You know the heads on Easter Island. <laughs> the way they're quite long, they're quite long face, long heads, and they protrude out. You've got quite an angular face. So I think yeah. the glasses distract. You mean I've got a strong jawline? Is that what you mean? No, no. The I entire think that's, head, that's what I'm going to take. The entire skull is yeah. long and very featured, like Funny, like, actually, like a horse. Yeah, Anna, like a horse. Anna actually wants like a horse. <laughs> no, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> Anna once told me that. Um, <laughs> Anna once told me that I looked like um, the head from Art Attack. Yes, yes. Yeah. Again, oh, that head that accurate. Talks, yeah. yeah, yeah. A long head. That's <laughs> quite like the Easter Island heads. Yeah, it's it's similar. 
Hmm. Similar. Do you have any relations in the Easter Islands? Um, Auntie, um, Auntie Janet, I think it's from the Easter Islands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She got around a bit, didn't she? <laughs> there, I actually do have a real Auntie Janet, so I can't, <laughs> I can't tell if she got around. Okay. Um, I see a few rugby scratches. Oh, yeah. On your hand. I was, I was back playing the old rugger at the weekend. Who? I was playing for Corian at the weekend. Really? Yeah. You're joking me. No, I played. In the AIL? No, in junior two. Really? <laughs> yeah. And we got hammered. What position did you play? <laughs> 13. Uh, because I was on the phone to a mate of mine uh, who lives in Dubai and he's putting together a 10s team um, for the Dubai 7s. And so that's in a month's time. I thought, right, I need to play a bit of rugby. I was with someone from Corian Rugby Club on Friday night and said, any chance of a game tomorrow? He said, no problem. So he called up the 13 that was supposed to start. <laughs> Dropped him. <Sorry. laughs> oh, you're joking me. Yeah, no, it was okay. I know him anyway. But um, anyway, so I went, uh, went and played and played the whole game, played 80 minutes. And my fitness levels were dire. My skill levels were appalling. I was so, so slow. Every time I got the ball, I got smashed. Really? I was one of the worst players on the pitch. Oh, my God. Honestly, dreadful. Were you getting, uh, were people on the sideline enjoying it? I would, I would love to see that. Like, yeah, that. there were a lot. It was away from home. It was a derby match as well, so it was like it was. They were getting. They were fired up. Yeah. Every time you do, you get tackled. They were like, Bleh. yeah, I got, I got hit, like uh, not too hard, but like I got fairly well hit anyway, and um, spilled the ball, and uh, and then all their players were buzzing. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just like I tried to be the bigger man and walk off. Like that would be a nightmare. I, I would hate that man. No, I enjoy, I, I genuinely enjoyed the experience. It was it was fun. It was fun, but um, I, I I was so unfit. I needed to do some running. If I'm gonna play again, I need to run. Like I haven't hardly done anything in the last six months. Are you gonna train with them? Um, yeah, I'll try to if I can. Because mm. like hitting. Taking contact is a huge zapper of energy as well. Like you yeah. don't run and all day, but you no, you're right. Yeah, some circuits or something would be useful, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, fair play to you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like I've been in a car crash on Sunday morning. Do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I miss having these little scratches though. I've had them in a long time. Oh, once you get them, you'll not miss them. Will you be marked by a cat? Wow, <laughs> 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 so scratched. Um, I got my hand stood on. That's a stud. Yeah. Oh, okay. Looks like a cat. Looks like it was a cat marking you at 13. Was it a cat? <laughs> <laughs> it was a cat. Um, uh, <laughs> the World Cup. Okay. Uh, how was, what was your take on South Africa? Did it, was it the fact that they had something more to play for, like we were talking earlier on? Or... Were they a better team? I think the, the, the criticism of them is that they're so one-dimensional, that they're so, they're so kick-focused and set-piece-focused that, that if that doesn't function for them, they'll be in trouble. And, uh, you know, England, England have a more rounded game, but South Africa just stayed true to what, they, what they'd done all tournament. I think the difference is, is that is, is Pollard and, and Leroux really stepped up they had, they had big games. That was Lurie's best game in ages, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And Paul Ardell making line breaks. And but like when I looked at it, I was there, okay, well, if you were playing South Africa, what would you not want to do? Okay, we don't want to empower their set piece, so we don't want to give them malls. We don't want to give them line outs. So when England were, were exiting, they just kept kicking the ball long and South Africa would just run back. And in the first half particularly, Pollard put up an up and under, 
and actually reclaimed themselves. And this, they had the same one again with Mapimpi in the first half. I thought Delende had a massive game, not not from a not from a skill based point of view. Or he was just so physical carrying the ball, gave them something to give them like a something to pivot off of every single time their forwards coming around the corner. Um, and I think the fact that there was because England were choosing not to give South Africa lineouts, I think there was so few lineouts in the game. There was England had England had I think seven lineouts, eight lineouts, and they lost one, and. South Africa had six, so if you have that few, that if that that source of possession is starved, it puts a bigger emphasis on the scrum, and the South African scrum destroyed the English scrum. So Garth says Garth is getting ripped asunder on Twitter from people giving out about how he managed the game, how he ref the game. Uh, watching on the second time for me, I didn't see anything outside of the scrums that were that stood out. I thought he did a fine game. So mm. I, I know fuck all about scrums, but talk us through those thought, five th- scrum penalties. <clears throat> Why the why why, whenever the the scrum collapses, why is he why does he play on? No other referees do that. Well, you see, we had him we had him when we played Exeter last year away, um, and what I noticed is that if your scrum is if there's going to be any ambiguity in the scrum around whether you're going to be dominant or not, if you're like this could be a really hairy game, like an Exeter have a very good scrum, you have to put a big focus on a real clean strike. I know this is real rugby nerd stuff, but if the ball gets to the eight's feet and the scrum collapses, the referee can can call play on. Yeah, which he did in the in the game. And but was, typically, most referees blow it up. But you see, if the ball if the ball is stuck in the scrum, they generally will say referees are judged on the quality of ball, like the amount of ball scrum ball that can be played. Yeah. So if the ball's there at the eight's feet and then the scrum collapses, he can just say play on, and then that counts as a yeah. stat for him. But I think it should be played on because <laughs> I, most most refs, whenever they blow that up. The ball sitting there, that was an opportunity to, for, for not only for an attack to play, but an attack to play slightly more interesting um, rugby because they're going to throw caution to the wind because they've got the advantage. It's a yeah, free play. Sorry, sorry. I'm saying that like if, if he doesn't make a decision at scrum, if he's not going to penalise either side and if the scrum collapses, if the ball's at the eight's feet, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's got licence to just say play on. I know, but most refs don't do that. But I, I think it's right. I think Garces is right to do that because you get to see more rugby played. Because my argument was... Um, I, I was in a, an, a world rugby uh, conference with, with this one time and they were talking about dangerous play and the collapsing of scrums, collapsing of malls. And I made the point that whenever a mall's going forward and it's brought dragged down, then they never blow it up. They play a penalty advantage. Mm. But whenever a scrum's at its feet and it's bra- uh, brought down, there's a safety they element. always blow, blow it yeah. up. But why is a scrum mm. more dangerous than a mall collapse? Surely it's the same. Uh, it's, n- it's, not, it's not exactly because you're going to have the players are bound... Like through their like they're gonna be bound like head heads in between the, in in the slots around their shoulders so their necks are vulnerable there so the referee has a duty of care around around the player safety there where at the it's not gonna be the same players aren't gonna have have their heads in such vulnerable positions generally in a mall but like most referees if we'd say to referees before game we used to say to referees before game say listen if we we feel we're gonna be dominant at scrum time so if we get if you, if you feel there's an, an advantage come yeah. to us please let us play from it and he goes as long as the ball is at the eight feet and the scrum is still is still up yeah okay yeah mm-hmm. um were all I, five of them penalties yeah i think so I mean, yeah. they were being dicked yeah there was there was the three in the first <laughs> half i think dan cole struck, i thought the beast had a massive game into into era um all, all the south african forwards played really well but I thought that was his best game in the tournament by a long, long way. And it was like, because the line-out was, was, because it was reduced, the amount of line-outs were reduced, it put a bigger emphasis on the scrums, which then, 
in turn, be, that became a huge advantage to South Africa then. I thought I thought Dan Cole got in trouble on a couple of them. Like Dan Cole had had a really good tournament. Um, I thought he was in trouble on, you know, I think in Torreira. He got overextended on a couple and he just, he'd know where to go. Like if, if your body is, if your legs are completely straight and the opposition start going forward, you don't have an ability to counter that. Whereas if you're in that like kind of strong position where you've got your, your knees bent, you can actually try and counter even if you're going back a little bit. There it was, was easy, it was easy for, so you're saying that the strengths of South Africa were a kicking game and then set piece. Mm. So there's a little bit, there's more variables with the line out, obviously, but there's less of those, so there's more emphasis on the scrum. Mm. It's easy, if that's your strength, it's easy to be consistently good at that. Mm. You know what I mean? If you scrum well, you're pretty much always going to scrum well, give yeah. or take. If you kick well, generally, there's less variables as well. Whereas England's strengths were in the semi-final against uh, New Zealand, where their phase play and their catch pass and their organisation and their, their width and that kind of threat. And all of a sudden then they just coughed up a few balls, the same way Ireland did against New Zealand. And it's, very, like they, it's nowhere near as consistent a strength to have. Do you, not, you understand what the point I, I'm I understand, but I, I don't think it's that, that... Like, South Africa are exceptional in those areas you talked about. England were good in those areas. Yeah. Like, England beat New Zealand because England took them on at set piece they were, and, they, and they were better. They, were, they, they took the New Zealand line out apart. They shaded, they had an advantage at the scrum. And then the English defence was really, really aggressive. But on top, the layer on top of that, which we saw from England, which we didn't see from South Africa, was in, in the unstructured play. England were able to keep the ball alive. They were able to, and we hadn't seen that from England, from, from South Africa during the tournament. That's why I would have thought I wanted South Africa to win, but I thought this is going to be to have the likes of Pollard and LaRue, who I thought didn't have particularly good tournaments, to have them go from a, a three out of 10 performance to have to go to an eight and a half out of 10 was a big jump when they hadn't shown it across the previous games, but I thought they made that. Were, were England naive, do you think? Because they played... Say it naive. properly. <laughs> Sorry. Um, because they played so well with ball in hand in the semi-final, then they started playing too much rugby in their own half. Uh, they played a bit... Man, think of it. We know that England... We know that England are skillful. We know they're skillful. And they had so many handling errors in that game compared to before. A lot of that is down to the English or down to the South African line speed. How aggressive the South Africans were and putting their skill set under pressure. So even when when England <coughs> didn't have the ball go to ground, if you watch the quality of their passing, there was guys checking, checking like catching the ball up here, yeah. catching it out here because it was just non-stop. It was relentless. The South African line speed and defence, and they were so aggressive. And <coughs> we were chatting in the car on the way up myself and Baz and just saying at that period just before half time when England were peppering the line if you watch the intensity and the physicality that the South Africans entered into the contact into, entered into the collisions it was insane man it was incredible like to think that to try and maintain that across the 80 minutes and I think it was the fact that like Baz your, your point that if England had gotten a score there it would have given them the hope but it's like they were getting rattled because they were like oh shit this has never happened to us yet you know well, here's my question. So they, we always hear this when a team is either uh, down at halftime in a World Cup ma uh, semi-final or, or in a final, they rarely win the game. And we always hear, uh, if you in rugby, if you lose momentum, then you're, it's very difficult to swing it back in the other direction. Mm. So Sinclair getting injured, <clears throat> you immediately felt, fuck, this is, this is a huge blow. Mm. And then... South Africa got a couple of penalties and after 10 minutes you almost felt that this is a foregone conclusion here, that South Africa are, are, are on top here. And as a coach, 
how do you, is there a way you can go out and prepare a team for that scenario when you could be, because like as you're saying, at that 30 minute point, England had the opportunity to score. Mm. Uh, they had like the ball for 17 phases, probably five, six minutes. Mm. And any other week, I felt they would have scored. And I know South African pressure was, was insane, but they were making the wrong decisions at the same time. Mm. Um, and they looked rattled from early on. Is there anything you can do as a coach to say, okay, if this fucking happens, do you bring everyone in, do you rally them around early doors, or is that just... No, you generally, like Rassi used to do that with us all the time. Is he, we, we go to play Rassig, uh in, in Paris, and he would say, listen, he's there, these guys are absolutely enormous, and they have some absolute magicians playing for them as well. So he said, if we go out and we execute our game plan as perfectly as possible, there will come a period where they will just get the ball and boom, 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 we'll be underneath the sticks and they'll be kicking a conversion. We're like, what the hell just happened? He said, because they have that ability to score from nowhere. So, so prepare yourself for that mentally now so that it's not a shock, so that you're not looking at each other wide-eyed. So then when that team scores and you're in the post, said, yeah, we expected that they had the ability to do this. You know, we, had the expect, we expected that they could just do this out of nowhere. Let's just stick with the game plan. This is all, it's, you know, rather than panicking on the field. It's, it's what, what you're saying... Like when Sinclair, Sinclair not only did, did he drive a really, really effective scrum for, for, uh, for England, but he was also, his ball playing in the semi-final was phenomenal. So losing him early was a big, big loss for them. I felt the fact that because England's tactics were not to put the ball off the field, then it sort of, it meant that the, there was less lineouts, which then meant the scrum became more important. I know I'm repeating myself, mm. but then the fact <clears> that... that that South Africa were getting such momentum from the scrum. They were just like killing England. And I was like, oh shit. I said, this wasn't like, New Zealand didn't do this to England. You know, so I was like, you know, you, you get in it, you, you start going, okay, how do you fix this? Now, I think the start of the second half, if there was one scrum penalty that was a little bit off, is the second half when South Africa brought on Kitchoff and Cock and uh, I think Vonapola was still on the field that penalty, there was a, you know, that could have gone either way. But on the back of making three clear decisions in the first half, Garces went with South Africa again. I think England then brought Marler on, and I think, I think Marler's first penalty, for the first penalty, I think it was given against Marler. I think that was a little bit ropey. I was like, oh, I'm not really sure about that one. Okay, Sorry. the second scrum once yeah, Marler was dominant. Yeah. The second scrum, Marler <laughs> came on. I thought that England scrum looked like it was it was holding its own a bit, and then. He still gave the decision. Sorry, that was the one that was contentious. The, sec- the, the fifth scrum penalty for, New Ze- for South Africa. And then, then England actually turned around and had a, had a great scrum and they turned it around themselves. So I think you just try and prepare for, like you've got to prepare solutions. You've got to say, listen, this is, this is more than likely going to happen in the game. Our solution for it is this. So you'd say, listen, if they're going to score a try out of magic, well, we're just going to go back to focusing on what we have to do, our process win the ball from the restart or else put the ball into the corner from the restart, pressure them, force them to give us a line out and then we just play our, our play after that. Mm. But I just thought, I thought South Africa were phenomenal, man. I yeah. They were so good. Um, Rassi's decision to leave, to put six forwards on the bench mm. and potentially their fittest forwards as well. So I suppose England not getting that momentum and then after 50 minutes having six enormous fellas coming off the bench, um, you're just like, Jesus. But they still played quite a bit of ball, South Africa. Like they, they broke England, got around them a good few times in the first half, I'd say five or six times, and then those two tries at the end like were absolutely Col- Colby, drawer. Colby, man. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous, that's, isn't it? That's, but that's, 
like we Ross used to always say to us, like you got to have certain players who can just produce magic. Mm. You've got to have that guy who just out of uh, out of nowhere just goes boom, 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 step, 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 and scores. Like he, like there was no way that Troy was on, but he just like what he did goes to the round Marler and then he, he put the brakes on to stop Marler, mm. but and that created the 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 disjointed. You know, between Marler mm. and uh, Farrell. Separation. And the separation between Marler and Farrell. And then, uh, and then just, he was always going to beat Farrell. I think that was clear, but it was just, he knew he was always going to beat Farrell, but it's, it's someone closing the, yeah. the gap then that would catch him on a scrag. Mm. He can really do that, though. Guys like that, um, they can only really do that if, if their they're pack are dominant. Mm. If the, their pack beat the other pack up for 60 minutes, then they'll get opportunities like that to do, to do what he did. No, I don't think that's fair, man. I think like I, I don't think if you, I don't think they would go to Colby early in the game whenever their pack aren't that dominant, and they when they haven't made that much of a dent, and expect him to create moments like that. He mm. does that against tired bodies, guys who are struggling, guys who are maybe starting to go sideways. Yeah, a that bit fits a little bit with, with the slow poison idea, but I think that <clears throat> if if I chose that's Colby why I didn't team. dominate against Limavadi at the weekend because my pack, <laughs> oh, my pack weren't dominant. Fucking agents. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like they let me down. Yeah. Otherwise, there would have been some magic. That cat wouldn't have handled you at all. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, I think you just get the ball to Chesson Colby whenever you can. And if you're in the opposition, you, you try and limit the amount of ball you give to him. Or if you give him the ball, you make sure he doesn't have any space. He's phenomenal. Um, How good for you seeing Felix walking onto the podium at the end after what, I suppose, the two E've been through? What, you know, his journey from May when he announced it you're here with us two clowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sliding doors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that must have been, I mean, it was for me, being, his, being one of his mates, but that, like, since you've worked so close to him for so long. Mm. Yeah, it was amazing, man. It was, it was so <clears throat> class because I was thinking of it like, it is like, the Munster job was amazing and we had such an incredible journey on it. Um, and then for it to finish the way, the way it did, and it was that was an hour it was it was our call so there's and then to kind of be like coming in working with G and be like thinking oh fuck you know where's my life gone and then to see Felix then going on winning World Cup I was like oh god what have I done I'm so happy for him but I was oh, I was so I was so proud man I was so proud he's like uh, he showed that you know because you always wonder when you lose in semi-finals you're like oh shit you know like is there what 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 more could we have done? And you know, and you're always questioning it. Like, and particularly when you're young coaches, when you're young, inexperienced coaches, all you have is your reputation. And if you haven't won, if you haven't won, then people can always say, "No, it's coaches." You know what I mean? And then to see Felix go on and win the World Cup using using the plan that we had initially with Munster. And I understand that that plan must add layers. You must add layers to it. Like, if if they continue with the same, basically the same, as much of that squad as they can and the same management, they will have to add layers on their attack going into the Lions mm. uh, series. It's great do that they have the Lions to, to test the next. Do you, think, do you think Felix, do you think he'll be friends with people like us still? Now that he's a World Cup winner? Two-Face, flipping, yeah. flipping his rand. Flipping yeah. his, his World Cup medal now. <laughs> <laughs> um, or do you think he, like, he just hangs out with like, like Bono and, and Drico and... Yeah. Michael else? D. Higgins. Bono, Draco, Dahio Shea. 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 He loves Kerry as well. He'd be out yeah, there, yeah. Uh, um, we'll try and get, we'll see if... We'll get him on the show, will we? Yeah, I'd show. say he'll be back in a, he'll be we, back in a week or so. He's gone around 
saluting all of the people. They'd be like, who's the, who's oh, the skinny white guy at the back? <laughs> Going around South Africa with the cup. But well, yeah, it was amazing, man. What did, uh, what did Ras CC in Phoenix that, uh, that he immediately brought him into the squad and, and wanted to be part of it? Well, I think the thing that stands out, like coaching and the same as playing just comes down to hard work. And like, I think Felix is a, is a very hard worker and he demands hard work out of people. Same as Joe Schmidt, the same as Eddie Jones, the same as Rassi. All the guys who win, hard work is the most important thing. If you don't work hard, you're not going to win. Um, and I think that he would have seen that Felix had a really good work ethic. He would have seen how... Felix just like Felix devoted himself into it with Munster you know like he was came down from Leinster he's as Leinster as as could be from St Andrews and and then two came, cars yeah two cars in the driveway and a gate fucking gate but he came down Captain Munster broke his neck broke his neck again and then had to stop went in coaching at 31 years of age coaching a Munster team which barely barely scraped into Europe the year before which I was part of the coaching team, <laughs> uh, and came in himself, Rassi and Jack came in, and we got to a European semi and uh, against Saracens, and we got to the final of the league. We got absolutely ripped apart by Scarlets, but the, the swing with basically the same group of players, we just started working so hard in there, and the players responded, and they were, they were phenomenal, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think Rassi just would have seen, I suppose Rassi saw him like a, you know, like a little, this is his little protege working away, and he would have seen some of the things that, that Felix focused on, like his aerial game and stuff, and then would have been keen for him to, to join him in South Africa, and Felix stayed loyal to Munster. And then when Munster, when, when the Munster thing, when Felix decided to turn down the Munster contract, there was still, there was no offer from South Africa because Sice de Bruyne was in there. And then when Sice got injured, it meant that Felix was, you know, you need to have a coach who can come in at short notice, who knows the system, who can help with the with the with the players they're going to be playing against, and who who knows the other coaches who can get assimilated into that group as fast as he could? And Felix is perfect to come in. He knows Alad Walters, the SNC. He knows Jacques Nienaber. Knows Rassi. You know he would he would know the players that were that they're coming up against as well. So um, he was uh, straight in there, and to see him is so weird. Like because we'd be chatting quite a lot, particularly in June when we're on our holidays, we'd be like pretty weird now. <laughs> like I'd be messaging him and he'd be messaging me back and um, then to see him he's won a World Cup now which is something that no Irish mm. man no Irish coach has ever done I loved seeing uh, Flef de Klerk when, he, when Felix was putting on the medal he was like Jonesy he was like delighted for him yeah it's amazing he, he, man. Uh, <clears throat> what's the little lad um, the comedian he's in uh, he's in Jumanji <laughs> Kevin Hart Oh, okay, okay, okay. He'd be a good flip to clerk. A little, little blonde wig. I'll get him a blonde wig. I know, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know where oh, to get him. Oh, you're picking, picking the people to play the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were saying, what about uh, Christian Bale and The Machinist for Felix? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's so thin. He's like, ah. <laughs> that would be a, a, an accurate portrayal. characters committing themselves. Um, or Screech from Safe by the Bell. That's Screech, what he called. Yeah. Oh, he said that already. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, Screech yeah. is a bit of a badass, though. He's in a porn. He's yeah. in a porn, yeah. Yeah, and he wrote a book, um, Lifting the Lid and all the antics behind the scenes and see about it. Oh, go away. Yeah. Was there a lot of titty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he what? Clean, well, I don't know, a, a lot of sexual stuff going on, a lot, a lot of sex. 
he he then came <laughs> a lot of well, well, you to, what you want to watch and say about uh, I'm sorry I was I was coughing and then he came out and then said I think it was part of the book that he wrote. He, he I'm going to mind this book, man, the yeah, minute he, we get off. He claimed yeah. he, he's um, slept with 2,000 girls. During Save by the Bell? Don't know. Um, I didn't read it. I didn't okay. read the book. I'm sure we can... The book was slammed by his colleagues. Was it? <laughs> everybody, else, everybody, everybody else involved says he's a liar. That's great. And he got arrested for um, possession of a knife. You know a lot about this, lad. I know, and you yeah. were talking about <laughs> you know too much about it. Yeah. You knew we'd be talking about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see, he just had a knife. Yeah. And he was in a band called um, Salty the Pocket Knife. <laughs> That's why he had a knife. He played bass. Class. Yeah. I think the knife But did he light happened. his bass on fire? <laughs> no. He certainly didn't do as successful a job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so will Felix stay on after this? I don't know. Yeah. We'll see to be continued. I'd imagine we'll get him he's on the couch tasking. Yeah, we'll get him on. We'll get um, him on. I'd imagine he won't be short of offers anyway. World Cup winning coach. Yeah, fair oh, play to him. Phenomenal. Yeah, might see if we can. Um, he's got a helicopter now. Yeah. Felix. Um, and Rassi and Jack. What is the the Jack Nienemar effect when he's on the pitch as your physio, uh, and he he's obviously having a word with the players uh, he's you know he's essentially the head coach um, is that a huge advantage do you think I always feel like rugby is missing out on that when you've the play when you've the coach up in the box and he's mm. delivering f- messages through a physio or through well, a water boy when whatever way whatever way you do it and even if you can be as efficient as possible it's always second hand information so if the coach is up in the box and he sees something then he's got a message on to whoever's running the water. Now, that could be a player. Ideally, that's a player because the player will understand he'll have set in all the presentations during the week. He'll have been involved in training. He'll understand what the, what the coach is talking about. But it's still second-hand info. Mm. And you can lose a little bit of the, the, the message, can get a little bit diluted there because most, most coaches are pretty, pretty balanced with it. You know what I mean? They're going to say, like, go on and tell him to keep an eye on this, watch for this play. Where Jacques would be on the sideline, and he, he, would, he would have detailed all of the opposition's, say, power plays. He would know them inside out. He would know what the triggers are. If there's someone standing on the 15, if there's someone standing on the 5, if there's someone standing miles back from the line-out. You know, these are all little triggers that he looks for. So then he'll see the line-out and he'll start shouting. He'll start alerting the, the relevant players. And uh, it makes a big, big difference. Because he's first-hand uh, uh, information. He's shouting it straight onto you. Mm. Um, it makes a big difference and yeah, I would have loved that stuff yeah like I learned an awful lot from coaching because coaching with them because I used to think like oh you get to Saturday and it's kind of like that's it now the coach's job is done and you can be given it like that one but Jack used to say this is actually the day now this is the test day mm. so he said like it is up to the players now but you can actually in real time affect it as it's happening mm. and, and, and help them you know it's not, it's not to overload it information but just to prompt Mm. Is the story about um, uh, Razi? Razi was with the Cheetahs before, wasn't he? Yeah. Is the story about him with the lights on the um, the roof of the the stand correct? Is that yeah, the story? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Louis Ludic told me that. He was. I, I didn't tell you this one, Baz. He was when Razi was in the Cheetahs, coaching the Cheetahs. They used to have like they would have like the same as we had with Munster. You'd have maps, so you'd have like a 
a map off a line out where you might go open side, open side and swing back down the blind side, you might say that's a red map. Uh, you might have a a map that just goes round the corner, round, like from a line out, hit up into the 12 channel and then round the corner, round the corner, round the corner and then just play heads up, then try and reload your back line. That might be a purple map. You might have a, you know, you might have five, four or five different maps and they'll be related to colours. And then what Rassi did is he put like a, a traffic light system up on top of the, the stadium in the Cheetah Stadium. And uh, when the players would get to a line out, they'd look up and Rassi would be able to, looking down, seeing how the opposition are defending, he would just go, okay, we'll go with a, a blue map here. And the players would just go, okay, blue. And they'd all go ahead and do it. Um, which, it sounds a bit ridiculous now, but if you think of it, think of how far rugby has progressed from when we played. Mm. Think of it back before that. Think of like, if you watch the 97 Lions tour, like they, didn't, they barely had a pillar A, B. You know, they didn't have it. Like if you dummied, you were like, mm, there's like 10 tries a season for you. Because mm. everyone's like, oh, he's dummied. Well, <laughs> so like, like that, the stuff that Rassi was doing was always like way ahead of the curve. And um, like stories, then you start hearing when, he, when they'd be going to play the Bulls, they'd be like cutting the power. So he'd bring, he'd ha- he had a mobile box that he would bring a with generator. him. generator. Yeah, <laughs> and they would cut the power so that he couldn't use the box to start getting generators and shit like that. Crazy He's like, red, <laughs> red. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I remember um, oh, I we, at one stage we had um, physios coming on with calls or information from the touchline with Ulster mm-hmm. and then they decided it was all getting like communication wasn't great wasn't good enough because they wouldn't understand what they're saying mm. and then um, they had injured players or yeah, someone else in the squad coming on as a, as a player who knew the call mm. to be able to communi- communicate that to the 10 or whatever and there was one time then Ulster had this system it was ABC starter like near, middle and far mm. and then it was like it was like a, a B snap or whatever it was, mm. was the phase, was the pattern of the map. And Paddy Wallace was the guy to come on and communicate that. But he mustn't have been thinking, like, he mustn't have been concentrating at all because he came on and told Ian Humphreys it might have been, someone whoever was at 10, it's a D snap. <laughs> <laughs> Humph was like, so you want the first phase to be in the, like, <laughs> off the pitch. Get the ball off the pitch and, goes, and then play. Yeah, and then Paddy was like, Sorry, I wasn't really listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like uh, to see to see the South Africans win like that. Like uh, I, I, f- I felt bad for England because fuck man, they played some phenomenal rugby. Um, but is it just the case as <coughs> as specimens down there as men? Like they're they're huge, mature. Uh, powerful disciplined men as opposed to like when you watch them across the board like they're um i don't know i felt like they they're a step above uh, everyone for the for the last few weeks um south africa how, or england south africa sorry um they just haven't got it right politically and within the the systems over there for the last few years and rassi obviously going in setting it all right mm. but um, how do you compete with that? You know that physicality and that maturity that they seem to have. I, I don't know about the maturity side of things. Uh, I don't know. I, I like the English team were as big as them. Mm. It's just that. But I, I, I thought the English team have been better though the last few weeks. They were better against Australia and they were better against New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 the physicality. The first thing the South Africans go for, man, is physicality. Is they just go, regard like. I don't care, I am going to run over you or I'm going to absolutely smash you. Which, I think, like, if you're, if you're a New Zealander, you look at it and you go, like, 
that's a little bit Neanderthal. Do you know what I mean? And and they're within their rights to say it. Like you know, there are you've got to have more to your game, but it's the first thing they go to. So you never have to bang the drum with the with the South Africans to say, listen. You've got to be so physical. If you watch Peter Steph Dutoy play, man, like that guy is mm. just, I player can watch him sometimes. I'm like, I can't believe either he's going to have a short career because he's just so physical. Every collision is 100%. It, like stuff that, like just a clean out that's not even a, you know, it's not, there's not a huge danger losing the ball. He just goes in to kill people, man. Yeah. And he's an animal. He's so fit. He's going to have a short career and he's going to shorten a few careers mm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's, um, Marcel Coutsey is the same. They just lo- they thrive on that physicality. They love it. It's like a macho thing, man. Isn't yeah. It? Which is it's it's brilliant. <clears throat> but like I would have been, I think, Rassi would have would have been if 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 Ireland were going to play South Africa, Rassi would have had the players would have had the South African players so g'd up to be like, listen, just they won't live with absolutely this. because I think the Irish players are very very adaptable. You know what I mean? Like Irish players learn really well. They're very very clever. Um, and they take on detail fantastically well, and they're hard workers. Um, but sometimes you, the thing you need to do is to actually bang the drum a little bit and say, like, listen, you need to be super physical today. You need to be super physical. I remember playing against South Africa a few years ago, or years ago, and I remember Gert Small just saying, it was on about uh, fucking, what their, their lock's name, Backy's both. They said, he's going to test you today. He's going to physically try and find out if you're afraid of him. You know, he's a, you need to match him. Like, so we were like, it was like eight of us waiting for him. The minute he did something, we're all going to be jumping on him and shit like that. But, um, but that's, 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 their, that's their go-to. And to be fair to them, they played to their strength all the way through the tournament. Yeah. I, I thought they would need more in the end. In the final, they managed to pull it off. You said about how they moved the ball uh, well in the end. Mm. Um, and they needed LaRue and Pollard needed to step up for them. But yeah. It's amazing, man. Yeah, and the thing, sorry, winners and the point is, as well. I was watching this. I was watching Dan Cole and I was watching um, Joe Marler before, before like doing a press conference, and they were like so relaxed. And I was thinking, like, yeah. if they win the World Cup, man, I was thinking how their lives are going to be different. Where they're going to be doing every single lunch and every meal and everything for the next twenty-five years, the same as the lads in two thousand and three. You know, and they'd be like, li- they will literally dine out in that for the rest of their lives. That'll be the, like, because you look at the 2003 team, like, they are wheeled out all the time and, you know, they they, they, they definitely get enough out of it. That's and then they're playing for, whereas... Yeah, when South Africa are like, they're like, oh, what's Rassi and Sia Khaleesi going to say? And they said, like, oh, pressure to, to, put, to win this thing. Win it. This is just a game to us. So, like, at home, people are getting murdered. People don't have jobs. You're like, oh, this is, this is obviously a big swing, you know? Yeah. A popular so. victory for that. Um, so, well done, Felix. Well done, Rassi. Well done, Jack. Well done, Alad. Well done, South Africa. Mm. Congratulations. It's been a long seven weeks, lads. Yeah. What are we going to do now? We'll just leave it. Black and white. <laughs> we'll be back after this. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Time for black and white. Everyone knows a pint of Guinness is the perfect opportunity to come together. This black and white, we're going to pick our team of, this, of the tournament. The century. <laughs> century. <laughs> team of the tournament. And uh, we'll see who comes up t- trumps. Yeah. So, I've been kicking your arse lately. Um, my arse. Your arse. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> some sexual stuff. <laughs> okay. All right, I go. Hang on a second. If you name yours out, he's, he's, still, he's still writing his yeah, in the I'll moment. Take a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> he's in an ocean. He doesn't know any of the players. <laughs> okay Baz go go 
I went with uh, Sinclair, Horry and Moody, front row. Uh, it's OJ and Alan Wynne Jones in the second row. Uh, Peter Stefft Toyd, Julian Sevilla, or what's the name? Artie Sevilla, sorry. And uh, Vermeulen, uh, number eight. Flefty Clark and Mwonga at halfbacks. Matt Tsushima and Colby on the wings. Um, Manu Tuolagi at 12, uh, or at 13, sorry. At 12. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Leonard Brown and okay. Barrett at 15. Was that confusing? Got it. Um, that was fine. Okay. That was fine. Yeah. Stop buying time that, and name as your that team. That was okay. It's great. That would beat the You're watching so much rugby, man. How can you not put 15 players down? Um, I'm just trying to get 15 quality players. Okay. Go. People who, who, who merit selection and the Andrew 15. At one, Beast. Two, Moody. Three, Sinclair. Four, Alan Wynn. Hang on a second. He put Moody in the, in the hooker. He put Moody I mean, in the I hooker. I mean, uh, <laughs> Taylor, sorry. <laughs> what do you call the hooker? <laughs> the Coles. <laughs> Stop it. Come on. Uh, Alan Wynn. And um, I'm going to leave that second um, second row spot just free. Okay. For the meantime. Mean. Surprise. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Peter Steph did toy at six. Um, six. I'm going to leave seven. I'm going to come back to seven as well. Um, uh, Michael Leach to Clerk at nine. Ford at ten. Um, Colby on the left wing. Uh, Farrell and Tulangi in the, in the centre. Matsushima at 14 on the wing. And Barrett at 15. Okay. And the... No, I'm just going to play with 15. 13. <laughs> 13. 13. <laughs> You're that confident. Yeah, yeah. I think there's enough quality in that 13 that I've picked. You don't want to go with anyone else? Um, Atoji. Atoji at five. Yeah. And. Man in a match in the final? Maybe in the back row? Hmm. Was. Uh, oh, um. Um, Khaleesi? Was man in a match, was it? Vermeulen. Well, he wasn't seven, though. That's the spot I'm missing. I've got Michael Leach at eight. Oh, have you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Excuse um, me. Yeah. I'm Moody at hooker. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> the one-on-one here. Just give it to me for God. Give it to him. Give it to him. On, on your inability to feel the team. <laughs> Do you have any extra players you don't need? <laughs> here, I've, I've, <laughs> I, have a, I have an interesting one. I went Go Moody on. at Loosehead. The Beast gets an honourable mention. Hori, I think, was consistently quality at hooker. Sinclair had a phenomenal tournament. Itoje, phenomenal tournament. I went with Scott Barrett in the row. I thought he was phenomenal for New Zealand. Mm. And to the fact where he wasn't a starter, but he played so well that he played himself in for the semi-final. Yeah. Uh, Curry at six with uh, Sevilla, Sevilla as honourable mention. I went Peter Steftutoy at seven. Vermeulen at eight. De Klerk at nine. Bigger at 10. Uh, Josh Adams. Josh Adams went really well. Yeah. And I had honourable mention for Matsushima and Mapimpi. Tuolagi and Lafayelli. Uh, honourable mention for Adrada. And then Colby and Bowden Barrett. Yeah. Yeah, some interesting selections. Decent, yeah. You know, I don't think we need to pick a winner this week. Rugby is the real winner. Yeah. Jimmy. Turn around there and give one of those Guinness points to, to Baz. Yeah, we'll do. I'll do that off, <laughs> off camera. <laughs> yes. All righty. 
was great, well done. Lads. Congrats, Baz. That's uh, thank you. That's the World well Cup done. done, lads. We got there. I'm glad it's well over. Well done, all. Well done, Pat. Well done, Jesus. It's been a long. You're glad it's over. Yeah. Yeah. They were ruining the weekends. We bet. Yeah. Us doing the shows on Saturday nights down here. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad Ireland got put out when they did. Right, okay. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and for on all your favourite apps and for those of you watching on YouTube. How's it going? Uh, you get to see the lovely rig outs. You're welcome. Luckily. Uh, please do leave us a review and a rating. It means a lot to us doesn't it? Yeah, we've had a few um, yeah. lovely reviews recently. Yeah, we'll read them out someday if, <laughs> if they're nice enough. Um, we promised to, to read the funniest ones, I suppose. Um, this one actually is from Connor, who gave us five stars on iTunes. One of my favourite podcasts, rugby, movies, slagging and silliness all rolled into one. The top gear, the good one, not the current shite, of rugby podcasts. What more could you ask for? I'll take that. Lovely. That's great. Lovely words. Thank you so much, Connor. This is the equivalent of retweeting compliments about ourselves. Uh, yep, it is. Which is unbelievably douchey. Douchey. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll do it. <laughs> uh, cheers to everyone that was involved in making the show this week. To Pat, Paul, Dermot and Anthony. This has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness. Party, Party on. on. Where's world? Where's world? Party time. <laughs> Excellent. Where's world? You've got to get them down. Bunch of, no. Where's world? Bunch you were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.